This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. On Tuesday, President Biden signed an executive order to ban the importation of Russian oil and natural gas into the U.S., This latest move raises the economic stakes for Russia nearly two weeks after the country invaded Ukraine. Today, we have an episode of It's All Political on Fifth Emission. We'll take a deeper look at how the United States is applying pressure on Russian President Vladimir Putin. We should be willing to sacrifice a slightly higher price at the pump or even a significantly higher price at the pump so that the Ukrainian people are able to fight back. That's Congressman John Garamendi, a Democrat who represents a district north and east of San Francisco. Senior political writer Joe Garofoli spoke with him on Monday ahead of the White House's latest oil and gas sanctions. Under the 2020 redistricting, Garamendi will be running for re-election in a district that includes parts of the Inner East and North Bay. In his conversation with Joe, he shares what he learned from his Zoom call with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky over the weekend, and what Russia's invasion of Ukraine means for people here in the Bay Area and in California. For more of our coverage of Ukraine, you can scroll back in the Fifth Emission timeline to the March 1st episode, The Fight for Ukraine from Berkeley and Abroad, and the February 25th episode, Russia's Invasion of Ukraine, We're Way Past a New Cold War. Here's Joe Garofoli, and It's All Political on Fifth Emission. Thanks, Cecilia. I talked to the congressman on Zoom Monday afternoon. He was in his office at the Capitol. I started by asking him about another Zoom call he'd been on on Saturday when he and several other House members and senators spoke with the Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. It was really an extraordinary call. It's actually the second time that I've met with uh, President Zelensky. What I saw in this Zoom conference was really the extraordinary leader, a uh, gentleman who had no political experience, but understood the dynamics of leadership to address a nation in crisis. It was really important to see him in his element, a man of of great courage. He knows that he's the first person that the Russians are going to eliminate. And he actually talked about a mayor that had been executed. as just a a way of introducing us to the risk that the political leadership in Ukraine has. But he's standing standing firmly and has rallied the people of uh, Ukraine and really rallied the uh, people of the world uh, to uh, Ukraine's um, side in this horrible invasion that Putin has thrust upon his country. I'm going to stop the tape here for a second. The next question was about the ban on the importation of Russian oil and natural gas into the U.S., which Zelensky had asked for. That's what President Biden announced Tuesday morning. It hadn't happened yet, but I asked Garamendi about that ban. Well, during the conversation, President Zelensky made it clear that the sanctions 
which at that time and did not include an embargo on oil or gas, spoke about the existing sanctions and that they were extremely important. He also asked that uh, Visa and MasterCard not be allowed to be used in Russia. And then he went on to the issue of uh, natural gas and oil and asked us to work to prohibit or embargo Russian oil and gas. He did ask for that and made it clear that such an embargo would go right to the pocketbook of Putin, his cronies, and the Russian government, which gets a little more than 50% of their revenue from the extraction and sale of oil and gas. How would this affect your constituents back home? The U.S., the Russian oil is about uh, 3% of U.S. uh, crude imports last year. What would this mean for us living in the Bay Area? Would our our gas prices go up more? Well, the oil market is an anticipatory market. It's a market that anticipates disruptions uh, in the supply of oil or increases in the supply of oil. So this potential embargo and the cutoff of oil to the United States uh, had been anticipated at least for the last several months as the Russian military built up its forces around Ukraine. So the question is how much of the current increase has been anticipated and already built into the pricing or how much more price increases would occur as the reality actually hits. The other uh, piece of this is that there is considerable evidence from the quarterly reports of the uh, petroleum industry that they are wrecking havoc uh, to the price at the pump. Uh, Their profits are soared. The buyback of stock by all of the major uh, petroleum industry are extraordinary doubling, tripling of the buybacks, cash flow going through the roof, and uh, profits similarly. There's a desperate need, in my view, for the public to understand the economics of the international oil market, and specifically how much price gouging is going on by the major oil companies. So you're saying this is not, we can't necessarily blame this all, our price increases on anticipation of uh, you know, cutting off uh, Russian uh, fuel, uh, this has been in the pipeline, so to speak, for, uh, for a while. And those price in, uh, increases are due in part to oil company price gouging, you're saying? I believe that there is a strong case to be made that the petroleum industry is increasing prices, taking advantage of the uh, of Russia's invasion and the potential cutoff or reduction in the uh, availability of Russian oil and gas. Uh, And uh, that evidence is found in the uh, most recent quarterly reports of the major oil companies that they are raking in the money hand over fist and their, their profits are soaring way beyond what would be a normal economic situation. President Sunsi also wants a no-fly zone. 
Would you be in favor of that? Because we've heard analysts say that that's good, that would put uh, U.S. forces potentially uh, nose to nose with Russian forces, and then that could escalate this this whole situation. What what do you feel about a no fly zone uh, and the U.S. involvement in it? Well, for the reasons you just stated, if the United States uh, says there's a no fly zone in Ukraine, then we're going to have to enforce it. And it will absolutely put American planes in aerial battle with Russia. And also, we would have to knock out the very sophisticated, long-range anti-aircraft batteries that have been placed along the Russian-Ukraine border. The only way we could enforce a no-fly zone is to fight Russia in the air and on the ground in Russia, knocking out those anti-aircraft batteries. That is not a good situation. Uh, therefore, uh, Zelensky knew that and did not, He, while he had asked for a no-fly zone, he did not push that at all. Instead, he wanted us the United States to make available on the used airplane market Russian-built MiG fighter jets from Poland, Romania, and Bulgaria. Uh, and that is now in process. It should be happening in the next several days. We'll have more after a short break. I'll ask Congressman Garamendi about what's ahead in Ukraine and what sacrifices should Californians be prepared to make if we want to help the people in Ukraine. We'll be right back. You're listening to Fifth Admission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Congressman, when you, when you hear from your constituents about this war, why should they care about this beyond the, the, the obviously the human impact? And, and what do you tell them? How, would it, how does what's going on there affect our lives here in the Bay Area? I would suggest they look at history. Uh, look at history of the Second World War, where a, uh, a dictator was able to gain control of a country and its military and build a, uh, a very powerful military and then began expanding his country. That would be Germany and Hitler. There are unfortunate and terrible similarities between Putin and Hitler. You have an autocrat in full power, full control. You have a secret police that is actually larger than the military. You have a very powerful military. And you have 
Putin, like Hitler, that wants to rebuild what they both perceive to be the rightful destiny of their country. That's the history. And that's ex- and Putin is following the exact pattern that Hitler followed. And pretty soon, you are into a war. The United States tried to stay out. We were not ultimately not successful. Given all that, what sacrifices should Californians be prepared to make if they want to do something to help Ukraine here? personal in our daily lives, what should we be willing to or or be prepared to sacrifice? Well, the first thing is to know what's going on and to understand what is at stake here. It is what is nominally called the the rule of of nations in which uh, one nation invading another is simply not acceptable since World War II and the establishment of the United Nations. Uh, second is the democracy. If Putin's able to get away with this, certainly the Ukrainian democracy is disappears. And autocrats in other parts of the world will be emboldened because they say, well, if Putin can do it, we could do it in our country or we could do it in the neighboring country. And so that uh, that's important. Uh, secondly, America's values are free people in a democratic process deciding what they want to do. And so if the Americans, if the American values of government and democracy and freedom are of value to us, they are of value to the rest of the world, the populations, wherever they may be, not only because those people will be better off and they'll be able to decide for themselves and and literally be free of an autocracy and secret police and the like. But also, the more democracies there are around the world, the safer the United States is, the stronger our alliances, uh, the interconnection between democracies builds safety for America. And so for all of us, we should be willing to sacrifice a slightly higher price at the pump or even a significantly higher price at the pump so that the Ukrainian people are able to fight back and so that Putin is weakened, his economic situation is weakened by those sanctions, which when it comes to oil may very well lead to higher gas prices. Now, the other part of this is that um, the American economy is is largely built on trade relationships with other democracies, mm-hmm. and that needs to be maintained. And so, therefore, the European Union and the NATO alliance are taken together, our strongest trading partners. And so their security is paramount here. Well, if we back away and America somehow backs away from NATO as Donald Trump wanted us to do, then we can be certain that Putin will press into Eastern Europe. And that most definitely will set off 
a world war on the European continent once again. You have uh, been in a government many years. You sit on the Armed Services Committee. You're, you're privy to intelligence that, uh, of course, that you know and that, that's secret. Um, how do you see, how long do you see this going on? Game out the next few weeks, months. How, uh, how should we prepare ourselves to, um, how long should we prepare ourselves to see this going on and, and where do you think it goes? Well, two different answers to the question. The first of all, for Ukraine, it's going to be a horrible month ahead. There's no way. The Ukrainian people are going to fight. They're going to fight in the street. They're going to fight in the apartments. Uh, they're going to fight uh, in the rural countryside. And there's going to be an extraordinary loss of life and the damage to the cities. We're already seeing that daily. Every day there's another community or city that Russia is leveled. And Russia is going to continue to do that until they just lay waste to the country. And, well, they're going to be able to control the country. In other words, conquer it. Uh, in the process, destroying and killing. Uh, that is uh, almost certain to happen. Mm-hmm. That will, there will be an insurgency that will follow uh, along with that and after that happens. And that will go on for a long, long time, uh, as I discussed earlier. The, uh, the next thing is the, and this is separate, but connected, the sanctions are already hitting Russia very strongly. Uh, the Russian ruble is down 30, 40 percent. Uh, inflation is, uh, you know, probably about an equal number, 25, 30, 40 percent inflation mm-hmm. in Russia. The people of Russia are feeling the pain of the sanctions. I have always believed that Putin's jeopardy is the streets of Russia. And when the streets of Russia fill with Russians demanding an end to this war, one of two things will happen. Putin will sue for peace or there will be a new leader in Russia. Do you think that that, that would lead to a, a, a coup or just the, the pressure uh, would, would force him out? Because, it, I mean, the guy's been there uh, 20 years. He's, uh, there's, there's a virtual media blackout there, and he, and he suppresses dissidents like, uh, like few others do in the world. How, how do you see that succeeding? Uh, there are anonymous organizations, in fact, one called Anonymous, that uh, is feeding into Russia in multiple ways, videos, photos, and uh, commentary about what Russia is doing in Ukraine. Even as rudimentary and as that is, the Russian people are increasingly dismayed And Putin knows that that is his jeopardy, and that is why he has shut down virtually every source of news. However, the uh, international hackers are very uh, creative. At some point, there will be a tipping point, and 
that will occur when the Russian people fully understand what their army and Air Force and Navy are doing to their brothers and sisters. And at this point, where you don't foresee U.S. combat troops uh, going, uh, engaging at this point until a NATO country is broached, correct? The president has been very clear, and unless NATO's attacked, the president does not have the authority to put boots on the ground or planes in the air over Ukraine. That would mm -hmm. require an authorization of Congress. In other words, a declaration of war, which is euphemistically called an authorization to use military force. Um, so I don't see uh, any time that the United States would be entering into the Ukrainian war with boots on the ground or planes in the air unless NATO is attacked, mm -hmm. in which case okay. uh, the Article 5 mutual defense would kick in and would very quickly envelop the fight in Ukraine and would, would quickly set off that world war. Now, whether that was going to be a nuclear war or not, it's hard to say, although Putin is clearly rattling the nuclear saber. Yes. Congressman John Garamendi, thank you so much uh, for being on It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. I appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. Cecilia mentioned this at the top of the show. You can go back and listen to Fifth and Mission's earlier coverage of the invasion of Ukraine. In the March 1st episode, you'll hear from a Ukrainian grad student in Berkeley who's trying to help from thousands of miles away, and also from four young Ukrainians who talk about what the invasion itself was like and how their lives have changed. In the February 25th episode, UC Berkeley political science professor M. Stephen Fish talks about what the war in Ukraine will mean for Americans. He says, we're way past a new Cold War era. I'd like to thank you all for listening, and I hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Cecilia Lay and the King, King Kaufman, for producing this episode. We always like to throw out some love for our theme music. That song you're hearing is called Cattle Call, and it's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crosall. And remember, no matter who you blame for high gas prices, it's all political on Fifth and Mission.